Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another week, another scary flick that I refuse to watch, but Miranda, something about her and her obsession with horror, I will never understand, even after seven years, um, but yeah, we're doing this. Uh, this film, oh, I'm your host, Donnie, other line Miranda, but... The film that we are going to discuss is the Stanford Prison Experiment. I absolutely love this film. Um, I know Miranda talked about it uh, over text messages about how she like studied it in her psychology class. What was your reaction to the film, the first reactions? So for me, one, I, I do have to say to our viewers who can't can't see us right now, but do you have the the t-shirt on that's a photo of my dog? Oh yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wear it as like a like a, a loungewear, like casual, like uh lounging around the house and stuff like that. Yes, to explain to our listeners, my dog, just just a caveat, right quick, my dog, um, she had a brain tumor. She's doing really well now. She got treatment, but we wanted to raise money for the shelter we got her from. It's just a nice thing to do in her honor in case things went south or just to do a nice thing. So we sold these t-shirts and Donnie's currently sporting one. And they're really yeah, funny. Like of our dog. She looks insane. Yeah, it, it's like, like her face is just... <laughs> She looks insane, Best. which is a good caveat into, yes, my initial reaction, my initial reaction to the movie was, this is really accurate. Like, it's mm -hmm. almost like, like when you've seen the real footage, because that's all we watched in my psychology class. I didn't know there right. was a movie. We just watched, like, a documentary that plays, like, a lot of the real footage. That it it like, was Quiet the Rage or something like that, right? Or was it something else entirely? It was, yeah, that might have been the name of it. I don't totally remember, but I know that, like, the guy that ran it, the Dr. Phil Zimbardo or whatever, mm -hmm. he was in the documentary, and then they showed, like, clips, basically, um, of the stuff they could show, because it gets pretty, like, pretty graphic and crazy. Um, and the movie, yeah, I like how they really realistically didn't even embellish anything. Is it weird to say I feel like they could have gone even, like, harder? <laughs> like... Like in in the experiment or um, in the movie? In in the movie, because I feel like some of the footage, like they really show like the mental breakdown aspects and stuff. Well, but some of that footage mm -hmm. is like even more disturbing than the right. Movie. Like it, yeah. it's crazy. So I I really haven't been able to like find the documentary. Uh, so after the film, like after watching the film, I have to like go on YouTube and there's like this YouTube channel that like up. Uh, uploads like various like clips i i'm assuming they got it from stanford um database or what have you um and they just upload like a few clips here and there of like the situation that happened and stuff like that mm -hmm. so that's pretty uh cool but uh, i heard that it was like almost like a word-for-word -word copy of like the exact experiment like they didn't really add any wording i hear yeah yeah that's true like they didn't really add anything i think like for me i guess it's like see like i know the movie's already long so i feel like they did pick like the best examples but mm -hmm. like seems more of like 
the physical stuff too. Like, you know, I think, I think the mental stuff was definitely like the worst part, but what's insane to me and my biggest thought about the whole experiment and the film and just the whole thing in general is like, if this had been women, would have gone the same way. I only wonder that because I think of the book, like uh, Lord of the Flies or whatever, mm-hmm. where that gets the little boys and they're like on the island right. and it all kind of starts to go the same way, right? And yeah. so I'm like, I wonder if this is, and they mentioned like trying to feminize the prisoners a lot. I'm like, I wonder if this is specifically like, and this is just my arms, armchair psychology theory, like mm-hmm. where it's like a bunch of guys, like what that, right. you know what I mean? How that impacts this. Yeah, there there's uh, a lot of variables that could have been introduced, and I hear like I I like the experiment for what it was, but I'm hearing a lot of people and critics alike, um, especially like uh, fellow professors, they it's unethical. Um, come to find out, some of the like he changed, like he affected the outcome a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in a sense that I he told the, the guards what he wanted them to do instead of what I originally thought, oh, people succumb to like the evils and the, the nature of the like the power and stuff like that. But also if you don't know exactly what we're talking about, the Sanford prison experiment is based on a nineteen seventies Yeah. Yeah, 70s. Yeah, 1970s. Uh, Stanford um, experiment where a, prof- a psychology professor put out an ad for um, 24 boys, 12, 12 guards, and 12 uh, prisoners. And he divided them up and had them, what, originally for 12, 12 days yeah, perform this... Like- yeah, like 12 days, two weeks, and they were going to do, like, yeah, like the mock prison thing. Like, 12 of them right, randomly yeah. were going to be the guards. 12 of them randomly would be, like, prisoners, like, air quote, prisoners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he randomly uh, assigned them their roles between the two. And yeah. it only lasted five, six days be- due to, like, how fast the guards came accustomed to their powers and the oversight, and how much harm they were, physically and mentally, affecting the prisoners. And yeah. to this day, I, I still I still don't believe that anybody had any lasting long-term effects from it. Yeah, they say nobody had, like, a lasting long-term effect from it, but I'm like, if, had they let it go the whole two weeks, I totally think someone would have. And, and just to... I feel like where the film is so much like the experiment, where we talk about them, it's like I'm kind of talking about both. It's like the real thing that really happened and the way the film depicts it. And Ezra Miller is in this film, which is a dramatization of the experiment and the outcomes. And Ezra Miller's depiction of that breakdown that the one prisoner has, I think he's 8612, mm-hmm. it's like his prison name, right? The, yeah. the breakdown of being in like the hole. Mm-hmm. That scene, to me, that was probably, like, the best. Well, I didn't think it was actually, I didn't think it was the most disturbing part. There's one part I found even more disturbing. But mm-hmm. that scene, just, like, a testament to Ezra Miller's acting really quick, because I'm like, whoa, if you've ever had, like, a panic attack 
or any kind of like breakdown like that. That is what it feels like. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and then that scene, that like really stood out to me. Yeah. So this this film essentially was like an indie film, but it has like a stack cast of like those young white Hollywood boys that you usually see like during that time. So it had Ezra Miller, Logan Miller, Ty Sheridan, Johnny Simmons, um, and uh, Kim Hong Lee, Kara Gilkis, and Nicholas Braun, and also Morris Ariza, the the little guy from um, Hannah Montana. Yeah, yeah. The fact that he was in it and Nicholas Braun, that, though, both of those were funny to me because like, mm-hmm. Hannah Montana and then Nicholas Braun, um, I just think of him as Greg in Succession. <laughs> right, yeah. So it, it was like this. So it's like they gather like all the white boys, young white hot boys during that time and just said, let's put them in this experiment and like see what happens in this sense. But yeah, it, Ezra's acting was by far the best. Yeah. I think. For sure. Ezra's acting in this was very, like, it's, like, the one thing that makes the film, like, really pull you in, where you almost feel like you're watching a documentary, because you kind mm-hmm. of feel like, ooh, this is, like, really happening. And right. The, the scene in particular, so kind of, like, what happens with setting the scene here, and it's funny, because this is told in, like, a linear fashion, but the way this right. plays out happens really quickly, actually. So it's almost, like, they do the selection process, that's maybe 10 minutes of movie. They start to, you know, take the prisoners in, the guards start feeling like a little more chuffed about like, oh yeah, we're a guard. Because the prisoners and the guards at first are kind of like nervous, you know, they're kind of like, haha, like this is kind of, you know. Right, they know yeah. I mean, they are yeah, college students and stuff like that. So I can only imagine, like, I mean, they were paid $15 at that time. So it's like, that's a lot for you as a struggling college student. Um, oh yeah, fifteen dollars a day in the seventies for a college student like that was like a good, good paycheck. And it, but it's crazy how fast. That's what strikes me about it. Like in the film too, I like that they just kind of dive right into it because how quickly mm-hmm. they go from like Ezra Miller's character and some of the other ones being like, "Haha, this is gonna be easy money," like Tihi kind of making light of it to like all of right. a sudden. Like shit just hits the fan. <laughs> Absolutely. So fast. Yeah. So the the way they succumb to the pressure and like for the longest time, Ezra Miller's character was the one like holding out the longest, um, <laughs> making jokes, like you said, just seeing it all as a game. But everybody else, they started to their reality became warped a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you see, like, the guards, yeah. I think, first. I think the guards first start to just be like, oh, I'm in charge here, right? And something about that right. hell, like, feels so good to them for some reason. <laughs> I, I I thought it was, like, so weird. Like, so weird, The especially the one who, like, essentially played, like, John Wayne, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of his name. I think his name was... Miles Hezer, I believe. Yeah, but Miles. Yeah. His character creating that whole character. And that was real. Like some of these boys, like who got into the experiment and being the guards, they all of a sudden were like not even themselves anymore. They were like, oh, well, I'm going to play this character. And my character is going to be like 
basically just brutal. <laughs> just brutal. Right, yeah, exactly. Essentially seeing how far you can, like, push, like, like, push the boundaries of, like, what you're allowed to do. Because the way that the the scene was, like, set up, the movie, you're not essentially given any rules. Your only rule is to keep the prisoners under control and keep the the jail safe. Um, aside from, like, the warden, who is essentially, like, Philip uh, Zabaro, the, uh, the psychology professor and head in the experiment. But he also has, like, a team of, like, um, like, I, I guess assistants or fellow professors and stuff like that. Not to mention the black guy, um, from True Blood. But. Right. He, he was actually pretty good in it as well. Now, yeah, I don't necessarily like the show True Blood. Um I, I think I I think it's the the southern drawl of their accent. Um uh, particularly I don't like Snooky or Anna Paquin. Um Yeah. I'm not sure if she's like a terrible actress or she just playing like this weird quirky girl. It's something about the Sookie Stackhouse character. Yeah, for that like I totally get that. It's kind of like She's kind of like, what do they call it? Like a Mary Sue, like in some ways. Like the character yeah. too goody good at first and too yeah, like, and it's, it's just like Bella like, in Twilight. It's like, yeah. Essentially, the, the Southern accent is a little heavy and it's, it turns me off a little bit. But I'm on season three, so we'll discuss that off the air. But yeah, the, the black guy, Nelson, um, Nelson Berberich, I believe his name was. And he plays the character who had actually been in prison. They had someone Nelson who had Ellis, been yes. in, yeah, who had actually been in prison. Yes, like, and it, it was it. yeah, it was interesting to see his his point of view um, because we get two sides of it. We see how it affects the staff, and we also see how it affects the subjects. And that, I think his way was more interesting. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get into was sort of like. One, how when the tables were turned, how quickly he saw that he could become an abuser of the system, being in, being in a position of power instead of a prisoner. And then how quickly Dr. Zimbardo himself kind of just said, like, screw my own rules. Because they did have one other rule. They could not touch each other. It was like, you yes, cannot exactly. physically yeah. touch each other. That goes out the door I think within, like, day one. Like, end of, like, day one. Start of day yeah, two. Yeah, I, I think it was, like, a couple of hours in. They and start, like, the, physically abusing. Yeah, uh, uh, the two assistants that were supposed to be on watch during their uh, their period, um, I, I guess they say, uh, what was that? And they see it happen, but they just, they leave it up to the, the prisoners, all within the experiment, of course. But they leave it up to the, uh, the guards to, like, figure out how to deal with, like, your prison. And I, I necessarily can't put it all on the guards because there are moments at time where the guards did come to the warden of uh, Philip Zabaro and talked about, hey, like the, the prisoners aren't listening, like it's getting a little bit out of control and stuff like that. And uh, Zabaro reinforces in their head, hey, I am the warden. Do whatever you need to to get this prison under control. That is your only order. So as a 18, 19-year-old college student, 
you don't know really any better and you're like, all right, like that's my only job. I'm getting paid for this regardless. So Right. And I, I feel like it, it devolves there. I like I can't put it all on the college students. I blame the staff. In a lot of ways, yeah. And I think too, they are becoming affected by the experiment. Eventually one of them brings this up and says, like, we are affected by this experiment because you can tell like I mean, that is them so clearly just starting to, like, disregard the students' humanity. Like, as soon as they're, like, do whatever you want to the prisoners, I think mm-hmm. it proves their point. Like, if their point was to try to see what power versus, like, being, like, in a position of, like, you're being stripped of your rights, like, what that would do to people on either side, they prove their point right there. Because as soon as they do that, the power goes straight to their heads, including, like, the professors. <laughs> So we're supposed to be like these impartial observers. The power goes straight to their head, straight to the guards' heads once they're reinforced by the professors. And then it's like prisoners just totally break. Just totally mentally break. It, it, it's absolutely insane. And the fact that it's like still, like it's still a real thing. Like this actually happened. And they kept it as close to source material as possible. That's why I feel like it's one of the most scariest uh films that i've ever seen that was like horror because it's psychological horror it's psychological torture there was like times where i had to stop the film and um just like reassess mm-hmm. because the, the way they were being treated in there and me knowing like the backstory and stuff like that like making them hump each other um mm. just like degrading it's just the and then the like the blank stares yeah like Every time, like, one of the prisoners or Ezra Miller tries to, like, defy the order, the rest of the prisoners are just looking at him like, don't make this any worse for us. Right. It's kind of like the whole thing they talk about another concept in psychology. Some people, like, are, and, like, like that prisoner, Ezra Ezra Miller's character in particular, is, like, a less likely to bend to authority kind of person, but a lot of Mm -hmm. people experience and there have been other studies done on this that weren't as unethical but like it's called learned helplessness and it's where you just literally tell yourself like well there's nothing i can do about this and so that's those blank stares that's that like just accepting it and Mm -hmm. that's what is so crazy like how quickly you see what bucket you fall into but what's more crazy to me is like not only did this really happen this still happens to this day in real absolutely yeah (laughs) that's Uh, that's the messed up part (laughs) Yeah, I, I remember watching um an episode of Atlanta and one of the opening scenes where uh one of the actors was like caught in like um I think it was Sweden or um or the red light district. Uh Amsterdam. It was either Sweden or Amsterdam. And they gave us like this portrayal of like he was in like this five star hotel. Like, he had perfect lighting, TV, air conditioning, heating. And the room, like, looked really nice. And the guards were treating him, like, almost like a waiter in a point. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, is this really, like, how prisons are ran? Like, over in Europe and stuff like that? And I did a little digging. And come to find out, the change between the United States and Europe and the way they treat their criminals and convicts, it's vastly different. They don't, tr- 
they don't put them in jail just to put them in jail and punch them. They put them in jail to like rehabilitate them and stuff like that. And that's something that America will never do because they're too they're too focused on money and is at the end yep. of the day it's like a systematic uh imprisonment. Yeah. I, I mean, you just said it. We have a for-profit prison system. The goal mm-hmm. is not rehabilitation. And I love that the Stanford prison experiment actually like horrified people and made people see like, oh, this is really messed up. Because also you gotta think like People who are getting into these careers, a lot of the time, they might even go in with good intentions of being a correctional officer or being a police officer. Like, maybe you went mm-hmm. into that with good intentions. But there's something about, like, and, and, you know, I don't know if it's, like, it is sort of specific to America because of, like, racial tension and things. I think that, like, I don't know, people in those positions of power do tend to have a certain type of personality i hate to say that you know like not every single person but it seems like it immediately does go to their head and they kind yeah. of think like i can do whatever i want to these people who are like less human than me like they see the prisoners right. and less human yeah essentially i yeah like you talked about it like it's the mindset of people in law enforcement um and i had i kind of have that same reservation for elected officials no matter how good you you go like you don't go into politics because you want to help. I feel like yeah. because at the end of the day, you also come to that the power of like the evil and greed. I mean, as we see all in the Stanford prison. I mean, these were guys, college students who did nothing bad in their lives, uh, just wanted to make a couple extra dollars, and now they're like presented in this tug and pull on their psyche. Um. And I heard a, a great thing about law enforcement. Um, usually it's all cops are bad, but somebody changed it to all cops are bastardized. And what that meant was all cops work for an oppressive system. And despite your good intentions, you will eventually succumb to those um, those systematic evils. And I, right. I think that was a, a, a perfect pinpoint on like where America is today and this relationship with law enforcement. Right. No, a hundred percent. I think that's a hundred percent true. And like, like you said too, I think this is the real horror. Like if anyone wants to watch anything, like you said, that's just really horrific. Like this isn't like ghosts or monsters or something like made up. This is like what actually happened that this experiment proved, you know, what can happen and what does happen every single day. And I think particularly for me, the part that was most disturbing, and you touched on this, there were there's like two things. It's like one scene and they kind of run into each other. And mm-hmm. it's where you can tell they finally, like, I mean, they're treating the prisoners pretty like inhumanely anyways, but when they start mm-hmm. to try to violate like their belief systems. And there's one like boy that's like a prisoner character, like in particular, and he says, you know, they tell him to say like some curse words. Right, the guards right. like say this, say that. Oh like, I don't God. use profanity. That's like literally against his belief system. That scene, oh my That's God, so it, it was so heartbreaking. And he he tried so hard, so yeah. fucking hard to um, like I I assume it was like some some religious like background in a sense I'm where sure, he's not yeah. allowed to cuss, or it could have just been like something like he grew up with, but. I, I, I want to say it was, like, something that has to do with, like, religion. So, to, like, ah, oh, 
to like have your religion like broken down like that and pushed back against it, it it was like heartbreak. Another scene that was like truly traumatizing was when uh Philip Zaro was sitting in the hall, like outside of like the the experiment um Romans have you and the the professor's coming down to get a book and you just see like Philip Zaro just sitting in the middle of the hall just like antsy just like doing anything and determined not to have this experiment broken by any means necessary he right. he he's under the impression that this kid is going to come back after he escapes yeah and come back and shut down his whole process and stuff like that. And you just see this, like, this madman with this, like, crazy look in his eyes. And he's, like, looking at his other fellow professor. And I feel like the other guy could sense that something was wrong. Yep. And, again, this is where yeah. it comes to, and, and like, it's like, the in oversight sense, from everybody so, like, within this Proving his this own film point. And, like, this experiment. You know, like, like oh, wait, can you still hear me? I mean, you you can Folks, spin it how you want it. You can call it to like a young difficulty. kids or whatever you, but teachers assistants or whatever. But I, I I put this on those guys. Like you guys should have been like there should have been better oversight of. Yes, I lost you for a second there due to a technical difficulty, but I got the gist of what you said, <laughs> and I agree because again, I think that even just serves more to prove his point that like your own ego, even him being in a position of authority over like, like this is kind of why they say like, is it unethical? Even if like you're a consenting adult and someone else is a consenting adult to like date your boss. Right. Or to like, mm -hmm. date, like even if a college student is an adult, is it unethical for like an adult college student to date like their professor? Because someone in a position of power over you, you can see how quickly that can just go to their head. And it creates all this I, I weird always, yeah. stuff. I always thought against that, but over the years, because in the beginning, I didn't necessarily see, like, the, the positions of power. But now, <laughs> like, I, I solely support it. Like, it's, like, you shouldn't date, like, somebody in a position of power. It's also with, like, the, the Monica Lewinsky trial. And uh, Bill Clinton, we saw that position of power. And we saw right. how that affected. And, like, it, like, ruined her life, which is so dumb. Because, like, if anything, mm -hmm. he, one, he was the married one, two. He was exactly, totally yeah. in the wrong. He was her boss. He was the, the leader of the fucking free Yeah, world. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you're the leader of the world. Like, people look at America as, like, the pinnacle and, like, the leaders. And, like, who are you to say no to a man with that much power? I mean, essentially, the exactly. power next to like god in a sense on exactly. the, uh, the heaven and earth and so, so then it's like it, the professor so then it's exactly that and i think the professor like it's just crazy that he really does prove his own point which is like yeah once you get put in a position of any kind of power the it's like the odds that you're going to abuse that power seem to be super high <laughs> there, there was there was another where they brought in the uh, the woman the other fellow professor who mm -hmm. I assumed he was, uh, Philip Zavaro was essentially dating. Um, and during like the, what's the, uh, the probation periods where they're like having their hearings and stuff like that. And <laughs> she asked him, 
if you could reduce your sentence in exchange for all the pay that you're getting or that you're working for, because essentially, technically, they were working for it, but they were getting paid like the 15. She said, if you could sacrifice that money to have a reduced sentence or even get out, would you? And he said, absolutely, 100%. Yeah. And then there was like another period where they're like walking through the halls as she's going on the elevator. And they just have, like, these paper bags over their heads and these, like, dingy, like, uh, rags or clothing potato sack. And they're, like, walking through the halls and you could see, like, the horror mm-hmm. that she has on her face. This is, like, the biggest point to me the whole time I watched it that, like, I do wonder, like, what? Because cause essentially she's the one that ends up talking sense into Dr. Zimbardo. She's dating him. Mm-hmm. They get into an argument about it. She's kind of like, this is messed up. I don't like this. I think this isn't going the way you thought it was going to go. I think this is really wrong. You need to stop this. And it just leads me to think again, like, not that women don't abuse power. Totally, like, anyone in a position of power can abuse that power. But I mm-hmm. also wonder, I think, so I think that's the bigger theme here. I do think there is a theme of, like, gender dynamics in it, though, too, that I find really oh, yeah. fascinating. Because they kept referring to the prisoners as, like, feminine we want to feminize them and just just something about like masculinity in this situation like playing a part i just wonder how it would have gone like if you'd done it with like women and women you know yeah like like you said like even seeing that that one woman come in you can see how much she started to care and she saw the concern for their human rights being violated and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, like uh, just a group of guys, just like that's what guys are going to do. Like guys are just fucking meatheads by nature. It's very and... lies. Yeah, it got very <laughs> yeah, exactly lies very fast. Yeah, and it, it was just like, and then like the guy, the John Wayne character, where I think in a sense at the end he like knew like the jig was up, like it was coming to an end. And he wanted to, like, make the last night special, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And I, I do like the dynamic of the new guy coming in after Ezra Miller's character escapes. And he's like, like, guys, like, your rights are, like, being violated. But they are too self-contained in their mm-hmm. thoughts and um, daily routines to, like, notice any change. Well, they've been, like, literally beaten down. And I thought that's what was crazy. Like, as soon as, like, they put... Like, like the outfit being like a dress almost that they had to wear, and then them stripping like their masculinity. Nope, that's, them. Yeah, it's, yeah. It broke them so fast. And I was like, there's something to that, too, to say that, like, when you take this many, like, you know, men who identify as men, and we're likely like straight men, mostly like white straight men, and you mm-hmm. make them feel more feminine, how instantly so many of them just cracked. <laughs> that was just so right, yeah, exactly. interesting to I, me, like, you know? One, one of the theories and like discussions are it's like do you think do you think this uh experiment should be recreated personally i don't think so um i think one was enough even if like the the variable was changed a little bit um i honestly don't think something like this should ever happen and i don't think something like this will ever happen and the uh the age of technology that we live in. Um, I feel like people are more more self-resistant and more um, strong-willed than back in the 70s, like after like the post-World War II and stuff like that. 
I, I think that, and I think too, like it wasn't ethical in the first place. It's like what we learned from it was so invaluable, but yeah, it violated ethics like for sure. Like, I don't know how that, I know the professor went on to do good things afterward. And we, we can say mm-hmm. this, says this in the end of the film. And this is true. Afterward, he did see what was really wrong about it. And he went on to like, speak out against abuse of power so he took that data and tried to do good with it and say like hey Mm -hmm. this is what actually happens in prisons this is so wrong like look how wrong it is but like from the jump i just feel like he violated so many like ethical concerns around like what you could like like i think you know he he really risked causing long-term psychological harm to these guys and like even though he said he you know there was no long-term effect even the short yeah, that, psychological I just damage. Don't. Yeah, I mean, that I just don't believe. You you have to be even watching it. Yeah, right. even watching it, it's like I have like effects from that film still. Like even after the first watch, because no. it just makes you like it just throws you in a loop and question like everything you knew. Yeah, it's just and nuts. yeah, for it to not have long term effects, like I just don't necessarily agree with that and yeah. i'm like waiting for his book to dive more into like the experiment but um yeah i Rubai has like the same resentment of this is unethical it's a fraud um the variables like determine the outcome already well before they like stepped in their cells and stuff like that and that like what we've been saying the whole time too that like man, if you wanted to really study this or do something about it, it's like, this is happening in prisons all over this country. And like the fact right, yeah. that you have like a school to prison pipeline, especially for like, we know, especially we know for black men, <laughs> like in this country, like the for-profit prison system is just so evil and awful. And just like, I don't know, we didn't, it's like, you didn't need a study to prove that, right? Like this stuff's happening every right. day. And in a way it's good that this shines a light on that, but it's also like, utterly disturbing that even though this experiment happened 50 years ago like the 70s 50 or nearly Mm -hmm. 50 years ago nothing has really changed yeah i I just find it interesting that it took this study um who's comprised of all white people except for one black guy um that it took to shine a light on a prison system and modern day slavery that's been hackling our society for years, but oh, God forbid, like white men get their panties in a bunch and suddenly it's, oh, this is unethical and stuff like that. Like it should be disbarred. And, but essentially, this is still happening today, well after the film. It's and the same there's thing like no I feel change about. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing I feel about if men could get pregnant, abortions would be like available at every stop. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. Yeah same thing it's like once it's like these men and again it all comes back to this the people in power it's like who have most you know normally been the people in power in this country white men straight white men right exactly and so it's like this whole power thing has just gone to their head and it's like through years and years of like this cultural reinforcement and then it's like but once it happens to them that's when it was like oh no suddenly we gotta (laughs) especially with uh Something with the the case of John Fenwell, our senator uh, for PA, where apparently he came in like um, casual wear. First of all, I I've always said this: I don't give a damn what you wear to Capitol Hill. Yeah, who Just cares? make sure you get those bills and laws and uh, acts passed, right? And make sure you're doing right by your people. 
I, I literally don't care if you come in a BDS costume. As long as you make sure our our voting rights are protected, I literally don't give a damn. I mean, I wouldn't want to see some of the old ones like Mitch McConnell in the BDSM outfit. I you might, gotta play. I might you die. Gotta of, play. Might, no, that would be the scariest Halloween thing I've ever seen. But oh my god, could you imagine Mitch McConnell in a BDS? I don't BDS want to. I don't want to. <laughs> and then it's like blank stares. It just oh my god. Oh my god. No. <laughs> But yeah, it's like is also like and they quickly passed like um a resolution to ban uh casual wear. Now everybody has to wear like a, a dress suit and slacks and dress pants and stuff like that. Assist. But and they passed that within like I think three days after uh Fetterman was wearing like a hoodie and stuff like that. So but stupid. I mean it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Damn all the other uh women's rights and uh, systematic rights that's uh, still on the table. Yeah, but hey, let's make sure everybody's wearing their Sunday best. Yeah, because that's what matters, right? And that's that's just what's so crazy about this. And this study was just like a scratch on the surface of like so many things that are wrong. Specifically, and it, it does seem very specific to this country in a lot of ways. You hear that like the UK, they're a little bit more like us and they have a lot of similar issues. <laughs> we, you know, we kind of America stems from the UK, like originally, like that makes sense. But it's like, why in this country have we let these abuses of power go on for so long? And why are we just continuing to like, just do it? You know, like you do good things now where like you see people going out and like fighting the good fight and the, you know, protesting. And there's a lot more activism right now, I feel like, but it is crazy. Mm -hmm. Like even still, I don't just power is abused every day, like at every level. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure recently that they're building a supermax prison in Atlanta um, that was supposed to be for a school. Um, but yeah, and we, we see where America's priority lies in the hands of that. Uh, but this, this experiment definitely opened my eyes uh, years ago, and it still opens my eyes today uh, about like what's like how fast humans can become succumb to uh the pressures of like just power in general. Right. Um, and time I, for reviews. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, actually, this is my final thought, like on the film versus like just studying it. So if you want to study it, I say yes, do that, dear listeners. Study the study. But when you watch the film, I will say what I really like about the film is they put it in that linear like fashion that linear narrative storytelling fashion so you really do see what's happening and how it played out in like a very cohesive way because when you watch like a documentary you feel Mm -hmm. kind of like like you're studying it you feel kind of pulled out of it if you want to like be in the moment and kind of see like what these guys were feeling and what people feel like every day we're put in these vulnerable positions then definitely watch the film because i think it did a really good job of that yeah, the, the camera work really pulls you in and makes you one of the prisoners and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's almost like it's a, sort of like a slow burn, but also it just like dives steeply off the hill. Right. Like within the first few hours, as we see on the day one. And the fact that it went on for like six more days, I mean, five more days is like outstanding. But my <laughs> review for this film... Five out of five. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. Um, it still haunts me to this day. Like I said, I'm waiting for the book so I can dive more into like 
Philip Zabarl, Zabarl's uh, research and the, uh, the experiment in itself, but five out of five. I feel like everybody should read this. Yeah, I think the same. Five out of five. This is really important. Just the story it tells is important. This was a really important like watershed moment in academics and in just in history. And yeah, the way everything you just said a moment ago about like the camera work and the way the actors and the narrative, you know, storytelling puts you in their shoes makes this a really, really effective film. Like, like Donnie said, you're going to feel it after you watch yeah. it. Like you're going to it, be left. It's one of Ezra movie. Miller's best performances totally. uh, before he went crazy. Um, I guess we can <laughs> link it to uh, the Stanford prison experiment. It seems, yeah. seems like that's the person. Maybe somebody from the actual experiment didn't go crazy, but clearly from the movie they did. Um, yeah, <laughs> and that's that's it. That's it. But but speaking of going crazy, before we leave our our listeners, um, I watched a film that you recommended to me that fits into our indie horror genre. That really oh, how did you like it? And I think we should talk about that next time. I won't give too much away, but I think absolutely. About- uh, yeah, I, I could definitely text you. I text you ahead of time uh, about this film and that film because some of the things that she does and like it has to do with pregnancy and stuff like that. So I was like, as a woman, I wanted to be like mm-hmm. certain that she wasn't like just. Well, I'm just like my friend just threw this film on. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you said we're we're gonna try to find a film that makes us feel so icky we can barely get through it, and I think that one for me had some moments. Um, did Andrew watch it with you? No, which is which is funny. He did. I, I think uh, he'll really like it. I actually think he'll really like it because it's also like darkly humorous. But I don't want to give mm-hmm. too much away. I feel like I feel like we this is a whole yeah. We'll definitely save it for next week because yes. we got to get off because our Phillies are playing game two tonight. Um, Go fightings! Yeah, absolutely. We are back <laughs> up. The Phillies are back up. <laughs> I'm waiting for that parade. Um, I've been starving for it since 2008. Uh, Miranda hasn't seen a baseball uh, parade yet, um, but she has been to the Phillies, uh, the six uh, Eagles. Let's yeah, not talk Eagles, about yeah. the My God. <laughs> that's, a whole, but, that's a whole other horror story in and of itself. Oh, my God. That's a... <laughs> Maybe we'll just rewatch the last NBA season for our final uh, season finale of uh, horror and see if we can get through that uh, clusterfuck. It'll but be... until next time, guys. <laughs> James Harden Take and care. Ben Simmons. James Harden and Ben Simmons make a horror film. <laughs> All right, all right. Take care, everyone. (laughs) See you guys. Thanks.